This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. Shabbat Shalom. Today I'm going to talk about one of the classic Jewish numbers. So before we start, yell out some of the classic Jewish numbers for us. Seven, 10, 18, 13. Okay, there are a lot of great ones. None of you have called out the classic, which is 42. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, this silence, yes, Jackie Robinson, that's what my grandfather said yesterday. Yeah, this silence in this room is about the response I've gotten from everyone who I've told that I was going to give a sermon about this number 42. One of the people, a six-year-old in this room, said 42, 42 is like math. You're going to do math in your sermon? And then when I told Rabbi Browse I was going to give a sermon about 42, she paused and she said, well... I definitely haven't given a sermon about the number 42, which may have been intended to dissuade me, but as far as I heard it, it just meant it was fair game. So here we are, 42. It is, as I see it, a great and underrated and underexplored Jewish number, mostly more common, honestly, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fandom. Anyone in the room? Great. Wow, a few of you. Okay, I am not, but after this I might be. So what I've learned is that in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fandom, there's a group of people seeking an answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything from this supercomputer, and the answer in the end is 42. I think it may actually be connected to the Jewish 42 we're gonna talk about today, but let's, let's go back. Let's start at the beginning, the very beginning, literally. There are, as we know, Many, many names of God. The most well-known of them, maybe, being yud Hey vav Hey, the four-letter name of God, the, tre- the Tetragrammaton, the ultimate appellation for God, the one that we don't really know how to pronounce and cannot throw away if it's written on a piece of paper. The most sacred, the one that we pronounce, Adonai. Then there's, of course, Elohim, Hamakom, El Shaddai, Tzur, Adonai, Tzvaot, the list goes on and on. And then, according to the Talmud, in Kiddushin, we learn there is also a 12-letter name of God. And then finally, we learn there is a 42-letter name of God. 42 letters. This name, we are told, is a permutation of the first 42 letters of the book of Genesis, beginning with the letter Bet at the beginning of Breshit and ending with Mem. And Mem Bet in the numerological system of Gematria is equal to 42. And so we have this 42-letter name of God at the beginning of the Torah. And in the Jewish mystical world of Kabbalah, there is an idea that God created the world with God's 42-letter name. I know this is a lot to track, but it's going to come together, I promise. So those first 42 letters represent that 42-letter name, this one that God used to create the world. It was there all along, since the very beginning. That is where we began. And as it turns out, this 42 shows up a lot of other Jewish places too. 42 is the number of lines per column in a Torah scroll. 
In a set of tefillin, both the one that goes on your head and on your arm, on your hand, each have the name of God written in them 21 times, together 42. And then this week, in this final parsha of the book of Numbers, before we head into Deuteronomy, we see the number 42 again. Now, we see it here in a totally different context than the others. As we make our way through this double parsha of matot maseh, of laws and rules and guidelines and then journeys, we have every stop the Israelites made on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land. They set out from Tachat and camped in Tarach. They set out from Tarach and camped at Mitka. They set out from Mitka and camped at Chashmona and on and on and on. And at the end, when we count up all the steps, stops we have, you may have guessed it by now, there are 42. 42 stops from slavery to freedom. These stops, of course, are really the end of the road for Moshe, for Moses. He has been leading the people from the very beginning, but now he stands on the precipice of his final speech in our Torah, before he dies and never gets to access the promised land. He gets to see it, but he can't access it. And yet, I think there's something God is trying to tell him in this last series of stops on his journey. In order to understand it, we need to go back to that same piece of Talmud and Kiddushin where we first encountered the 42-letter name of God. What we learn about this specific name is that it's very rare. It's almost never used and transmitted only to certain very few people. People who are seen to be elevated and admirable and having many desirable qualities. It might follow then, we would think, that of all the people, Moshe would be one of the people to whom that name was revealed. Of all the people in our tradition, our great, great leader. But in the list of qualities required of people to access that name of God, we learn that maybe Moshe didn't actually access it. The Talmud says, Ein Mosrino to Ella, Lemi, that it's only, this name is only revealed to those who are Sanua Anav, discreet and humble, Ve'omed Bachatzi Yamav, at least halfway or midway through their life, Ve'eno Mishtaker, who are not prone to drunkenness, Ve'eno Ma'amid Al Midotav, who are not too rigid and willing to be flexible. These all seem like things that Moshe is or has. Discreet, humble, later in his life, not prone to drunkenness, not too rigid. He did, after all, take a question to God just in last week's Parsha because he realized he didn't know the answer. So it seems like he might receive that name of God. But there's one more quality in that list. Ve'eno koes, slow to anger. Of all the incredible gifts that Moshe has, he is not slow to anger. In fact, we have been reminded over and over again that Moshe will not be entering the promised land because of this fatal flaw. Because when he was leading the people through the desert and they were unhappy and complaining and pushing all of his buttons and he was told by God to talk to the rock to get water for them, he couldn't keep his cool. He hit the rock instead of talking to it. His anger got the best of him. And so as close as he is to the kind of person to whom that name would be revealed, the ultimate name of God with which God created the world, he isn't quite there. So he cannot access that 42-letter name of God or the promised land. So is that it? Is it really true that this moment, this anger, took everything from him? I don't think so. Moshe is meticulous in laying out all the stops on this journey for us. He recounts them all with so much love and detail. This journey, all these stops, these are the most important of his life. 
The great Hasidic master, the Baal Shem Tov, says that these 42 stops, the ones that the Israelites took from slavery to freedom, these 42 stations play out in the life of every single one of us. From birth to death, we encounter these 42 stops. For Moses, that was literal. These 42 stops led him to the end of his life. It must have been so emotional for him as he stood and recounted everything he had experienced, everything that he had led people through over these many decades, reflecting on all that he had done and also all the ways that he had fallen short, fixated on all the ways he didn't end up where he wanted, so focused on what he lost because of his anger, so human, really, to struggle so much with our shortcomings that we can't see anything else. But maybe even in Moshe's consequences, he got something even though he also could never access that 42-letter name of God. I think instead, God gave him these 42 stops, these sacred stations from slavery to freedom, his own way of living out connection to that supernal identity of God. He didn't get it in the way he might have imagined, but he got something else. His journey was his reward, as it is with so many of us. But it always feels like it will feel better to get the reward at the end, some tangible outcome we can focus on, the promised land, the job, the marriage, the salary, the vacation, but we don't always get those things. Or when we do, they still don't make us feel better. We're still waiting for something else or fixated on how we could have done it better. And sometimes it doesn't make sense until after the end, once we can look back and understand it all. In the Talmud, there's a story about Moshe, about what happens to him and his legacy even after his flawed leadership. The story goes, it may be familiar to you, that Moshe went up to meet with God and God told him about this great scholar who would be born in many generations who would derive halachot laws from even the embellishments and crowns on the letters in the Torah scroll. His name would be Akiva ben Yosef, or as we have come to know him, Rabbi Akiva. Moshe demands that God let Moshe see this person so immediately Moshe finds himself sitting in the back of Rabbi Akiva's study hall and he's listening to what they're learning and he doesn't understand it. He can't follow it. He becomes so discouraged. This scholar is so much greater than Moshe himself had ever been. But then one of Rabbi Akiva's students asks him where he derives this halakha and he says, it's a halakha transmitted to Moshe from Sinai. It was his, Moshe's. His journey ended at the end of those 42 stops, but that was not the end of his story. Generations later, and still now, his lessons and halachot and leadership are living on in the minds and mouths of others. Back in Kiddushin, where we first saw the 42-letter name of God, there is one more thing that people who can access that name get. V'nochel shnei olamim, ha'olam hazeh ha'olam haba. That person who can access that name of God gets access to two worlds, this world and the world to come. And despite everything, that was the last gift this unknowable name of God gave Moshe. He got access to his world and the world to come. He got to see with his own eyes the impact of his life and his lessons on others many generations later, even though he didn't get to the promised land or God's 42-letter name. He wasn't his worst mistake. It didn't ruin everything. He still got all 42 stops. And that 42-letter name of God still let him see the world to come. It just took some time to see it. And isn't that true for, so much, for us so much of the time? 
I hope we can all be so lucky as to get insight into a world far away from this one in which we too are not held to our worst mistakes, where we're able to see the whole journey in its entirety, where we get to hear our own souls reflected many generations later in the mouths of others. I told you, 42 is a good Jewish number. Shabbat Shalom. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission, to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you maybe even in person sometime soon.